The last time we saw our contemplative and dashingly bearded doctor, he was mulling over the morality of vigilante justice. In this meditative storm, he's contending with a sinister voice, advocating within his thoughts to let go and give in to the full embrace of the wolf. The light from the hearth's roaring flame contends with the shadows creeping across Dr. Wolf's townhouse walls, much like the war that's happening in Dr. Wolf's mind. The wolf and the man go round and round, gaining and seeding ground in the doctor's conscience. The endurance of a wolf, however, can eventually eat away at the resolve of a man. It would only take one more time, reasons the wolf. One more time to really rid this city of this cancer. One more time so that the good people of Kremeth could raise their heads once more. One more time so that they can live in peace. One more time, mused the doctor. One more time becomes the cry for you forever and ever. You'll never stop. It will always be one more time. Besides, if we give Devlin what he deserves, there'll always just be another. But cutting the head off of the snake may kill it, and send a message to others that snakes are not welcome in Kremeth. Anyways, it is worth the effort. Doing nothing while evil abounds is just as bad as doing evil yourself, answers the wolf slyly. The doctor looks over towards the fireplace. The cane is leaned against the brick, the flames glinting off of the wolf's head handle. Dr. Wolf reaches for the cane. Devlin stands in front of the massive bay window of his mansion in the aristocratic part of town. It was quite a gaudy building, and being positioned in the middle of the city meant that the property value was astronomical, but Devlin had both the money and the power to obtain this sort of living situation. Devlin understood that the townspeople hated him. He understood that almost everyone, his colleagues and the townspeople alike, knew about his business dealings. His colleagues didn't care, most of them being crooks of some form of fashion themselves. The townspeople didn't understand that he wasn't a monster. He was simply ahead of the curve. Surely if he didn't do it, someone else would. It was only a matter of time. Might as well be him. The true monster is out there on the prowl. Devlin finally had control of the city's notorious crime lords and had brought them together as instruments of the state. Devlin had brought order to chaos, but someone didn't see it that way. Someone was dismantling this order with premeditated, gruesome murder. They took Devlin's instrument of the state and dismantled it. This would not do. Order was for the greater good. Devlin could not restore order if he was dead, so Devlin had organized a security team from the remnants of the syndicates. When the monster comes for me, I will be ready, thinks Devlin to himself as he wipes off his prized shotgun. The wood stock and pump on the gun is made up of a bright orangish-red paddock wood with silver and gold accenting. The barrel stretches out to 24 inches, an appropriate length for such a fire-hunting shotgun. His typical ammunition has been replaced by a stronger load, propelling silver buckshot. Devlin wasn't one to be superstitious, but these were strange times. Devlin's train of thought stopped 
when he heard a wolf howl pierce the night. Devlin typically took this gun out hunting foxes with his friends in the parliament, but tonight he'd use it to hunt a wolf. Mark is a plain name, as are his features and intelligence. The best word that could describe Mark is average. You wouldn't notice him in a crowd, you wouldn't notice him in the pub. And that's what drove him to join up with one of the local crime lords. I won't ever be overlooked again, thought Mark as he pledged himself to the operation. Currently, Mark's decision seems to have paid off for him, not as he expected, though. One night when Mark was at the pub, his boss was mauled by the wolf that was prowling around town. That was the story anyways. Mark didn't believe in that, though. Kremeth's criminal empires were always nipping and biting at each other. Mark didn't see Devlin's criminal consolidation plans working out in the end. The syndicate's rivalries and histories were too much to overcome. This whole wolf thing was just the gossip associated with a new and relatively vicious hitman that hadn't been named yet. That's all. Someone new to the business making their mark and covering their tracks at the same time. The only mystery to Mark was whose wolf he was, as it seems to have struck at the heart of every major crime family in Kremeth. Anyway, the incident with his boss was fortuitous, as he was thrilled to be selected to serve on Devil and Security Detail. It may disagree with his ideas, but the position was prestigious, and that was that. Mark's mother couldn't claim that his brother's employ was grander anymore. Devlin ran Kremeth, and Mark was his security. Checkmate. This thought warms Mark's cold bones as he begins his rounds walking around the mansion. It's cold, but not too bad for a Kremeth night, and Mark is thankful it isn't raining. Screaming cuts through the air. Mark runs around one side of the mansion towards the direction of the sound, just in time to see a fellow guard flying through the air and crashing into the wrought iron fence. Mark runs over to check on the guard. His flesh was cut to ribbons with a massive gash across his chest. Meanwhile, the screaming continues. Mark looks over as a guard is carried off into the shadows by some creature with bright yellow eyes. Mark is a plain man. Plain looks, plain intellect, plain strength, and plain courage. And plain courage just wouldn't do with the wolf on the loose. Mark turns and flees. Devlin hears the crash as the front door is torn off the hinges and thrown through the house. The skirmish continues through the foyer as guards are caught off guard by the pure savagery of the beast that has invaded the mansion. Devlin's panic was beginning to creep into his heart then interrupted by a gunshot that he hoped found its mark. Less than a half second later, the hope is dashed as the stray bullet flies through the floor and into the roof. Devlin braces himself, pointing his shotgun at the door. The trouble with shotguns is that even with such a fine specimen as Devlin's, craftsmen still haven't found a way to eliminate the rattle caused by tolerances allowed for the pump's mechanism. Thus, Devlin's shotgun rattles, Devlin's whole body shakes in fear. Second by second, the scratching, shooting, clawing, screaming, and growling grows closer and closer. Finally, the cacophony of sound ceases. Devlin hears the sounds of footfall moving down the hallway. Devlin raises his shotgun towards the door, preparing to shoot whatever beast walks through it. The footfalls have grown silent. 
Suddenly, the wolf tears through the wall, rushing into Devlin, taking him by surprise. Devlin fires the shotgun wildly before dropping the weapon. The wolf's tackle pushes Devlin to the wall, and the beast advances on the shrinking figure in front of him. Devlin realizes he's cornered by the wolf. The wolf extended a claw, stabbing into Devlin's chest, hooking his collarbone. The wolf then raises Devlin off of his feet, bringing him to eye level. Please, please, we can work something out, cries Devlin, weak from the blood loss. You have nothing I want, growls the wolf, except for your life. Now these people can live without fear. Without fear of me, but what about fear of you, questions Devlin. The wolf snarls as he throws Devlin through the mansion's bay windows. Devlin fell through the night, crashing to the ground below. The wolf jumps through the window, landing next to the lifeless body of Devlin. The bee sniffs the man, confirming tonight's objective has been met. The wolf throws back his head, howling at the moon in triumph until... A sharp, piercing pain explodes in the wolf's shoulder. The wolf stumbles around, its muscles refusing to move. The wolf licks the wound. An exotic tranquilizer, thinks the doctor as the arrow falls to the ground. The wolf's body falls forward, mid-transition, into Dr. Wolf. A cloaked figure steps forward out of the shadows to examine the body, as town police run into the mansion to assess the damage and search for survivors. The figure rolls the body over. It was the town doctor, lying incapacitated on the ground. A cultist, an extremist, a foreign agent would have made this case easier. Now things have grown more complicated. The marksman walks over to the chief of police to collect his fee and turns to head back to the inn. This was not over. In fact, it has just begun.